presence of the Lord is in the house. I'm so glad that he showed up. You guys can be seated. I had some preliminaries that I thought were super cute, um, but I'm going to go ahead and dispense with those. I do thank you so much for allowing me to be here. Um, you guys are actually the first church in our state to have me speak. Don't get nervous, I've spoken other places. It's just <laughs> the first church in our state. So I feel like a barrier has been broken in Jesus' name. Um, I was so excited when Sister Buford asked me to come. And I, my sweet mama is here, and we have done this new thing where we like do a Bible study at night sometimes. Um, we're not usually that spiritual. It's usually a lot of like BBC, but just lately we've been doing a Bible study at night and we did one by Angela Thomas and she was talking about her first trip to Europe and the Lord just spoke to me and he was like yes you go to that church and you tell those ladies about your first trip to Europe and I was like Lord my first trip to Europe was so bad that we do not speak of it to anyone and he was just kind of like, well, that's what I want you to talk about. And I was like, well, some of these ladies were at ladies conference and they're going to think that I just like tour the country talking about the devastating blows that life has dealt to my self-esteem. And that's not really what I'm about. Is that what you want me to tell them? And he was like, I would like you to tell them about how I was with you. And I was like, okay, fine. So here we are. Here's some backstory. Two years ago, we go to Scotland, and I'm going to teach for the Next Steps program. And that was, like, so out of my comfort zone. People say they can't tell by knowing me, but I really do like to just not be seen or heard and just in the background. But I was like, okay, we'll go to Scotland. I don't know anything about it, and I really don't like Europe as far as I can tell. I'm all about Africa. Woo! Um, and so we're going to go, and I just, I mean, I dreaded it the whole time. I did not pack till like two nights before we left. This was making my mother crazy. She is very prepared. I am not prepared anyway, but this was really, you know, procrastination at its finest. So we go to Scotland, and it's like this ridiculous trip, and then we get there, and we're at a hostel. And we walk in the door of the hostel, and I turn to my mom and dad, and I said, you guys are also going to stay here because this is kind of the way that the kind of place that it was and so I go upstairs and I like was so tired I just fall asleep on the bed with the door open because let me tell you no one was robbing this place it was not going to happen it was not a concern and so this is how it starts and um I had like been at the beginning of first I had like emotional healing and now we're working on like my physical so right now I'm on this journey I'm down like 55 pounds but at the time this was like at the beginning of my physical fitness journey and in Scotland here's a newsflash they walk everywhere and so we go on this walking tour and I was like walking tour what is that and they're gonna show us all this stuff and guys, I'm telling you, it's like the students at the Bible school who took us to do this. And so I just remember the low point was that we're at the top of this hill and there's like, it's a huge hill. It's just hill, hill. And we go down and you can see like this mall from the top of the hill and we go down to the bottom of the hill and we stand in front of the mall, outside the mall, and they say, this is the mall. And we turn around and we go right back up the hill. And I was like, you could have just pointed 
it is a straight shot down, I think we would have gotten the picture. So um, I'm registering the entire time we're at Scotland, like 18,000 steps a day, which is like a miracle. And I'm so proud of myself. And I'm like, thank you, Lord, for being strong in me, because Lord knows I would rather just be eating cupcakes. But here we are walking. And um, while we're in Scotland, this thing starts happening. Actually, on the way down that hill, we have our tourist group, our group of people who are coming on next steps, and this car drives by, and they just start like throwing eggs at us. And I was like, that's interesting. And so we asked around. We, it gave some color to the walking tour. We got to pause for a minute. I was really excited about that. I'm like, wait, do we need to clean this up? No. Okay. And so I thought that was kind of weird. And then we're in like a store and I let someone go ahead of me in line. And then they, as we walk out of the store, are waiting outside the store and just cursing us out, it was me and two other girls, and like throwing cookies at us. And I was like, that is also weird. A lot of people are throwing things, but that's fine. We'll just keep walking because apparently that's what we came here to do. And then dad and I went to the mall. Like I convinced him to get on a bus and go to the shopping district with me. And we're standing across the street from this parking garage and people are like throwing eggs again. And I'm like, they're not, there's no way they're throwing eggs at us. So we move and the eggs move. And again, they're just being launched at our heads. And I was like, okay. So I ask everyone, I ask strangers on the bus, cause I'm like, is it something about me? Is it my accent? Is it the way that I look? Like, what is it? I was really concerned it was the way that I look. And they were like, no, we have never heard of anybody doing that ever. And I was like, okay. Maybe they're trying to help me make breakfast. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. So this happens. And then in this time in Scotland, we have these students and they're wonderful, but we just did not have a chance to have a breakthrough. You know what I'm saying? Like it just, we felt like we were hitting this wall. And there was one session where I spoke and we had this wonderful breakthrough. It has nothing to do with me. The Lord just needs a vessel, but we had this wonderful breakthrough and there was like tongues and interpretation. And I was like, yes breakthrough and also we don't have to walk anywhere for the rest of the day so win all around and I go upstairs and the kids the young people who attend the bible school are all laughing about something in like the cafeteria area where they have all their food I guess and their recreation time and I go I'm gonna go in there to see what they're laughing about and when I get to the door I realize that what they're laughing about is me and uh, that definitely was about how I looked. And I was just like, well, dad signs these people's AIM applications, but maybe they haven't done their research, so maybe next time I can encourage that. Um, and I just went and I just threw myself on the bed and I was like, okay, I kind of quit. We're here in Scotland, we're just walking and nothing I do is right and people are throwing things and I'm done, that's fine. And so I got to go see, right after that, my best friend, who lives in England, Deandra, and I was so excited about this because I was like, I will not leave England without visiting the Globe Theater. Like, this is gonna happen and it's gonna be great. And so <laughs> the further we get from Scotland, like the more happy tears I'm crying, because first of all, we were in a car. And secondly, we were getting out of Scotland and I was just like, the Lord has delivered me from missions. Maybe no one write that down. Um, so, <laughs> We're going to England, and I just remember the night before we go to London that I was so excited. Like, I'm not, I don't get that excited about stuff anymore, but I was just, 
Not like this, Mom. Like I was really like kid at Christmas time, pumped. We're going to we're going to London. I'm going to see the globe. It's going to be great. I'm going to stand where Shakespeare's beautiful words were performed. It's going to be fabulous. So I'm so excited. So we leave at 5 a.m. and we walk a mile to the train station. And I was like, I thought I'd left this behind me, but okay. And we catch one train, and then we catch another train, and I'm still so excited. And as we're on the train, the temperature is climbing to 100-plus degrees outside, but I did not know that yet. So it was blissful moments on the train, guys. It was good. And we get out, and I'm like, I need to be on a double-decker bus. This is one of the things I wanted to do. So we get tickets. We stand in line. We get tickets. We get on the bus. And the first thing that we see is Ormond Street Hospital. And I was so excited because um, the royalties from the book Peter Pan, like, fund that hospital. So I was like, yes, the first thing that we have seen is Peter Pan related. I'm so happy. And then that's all we saw because we were on the top of the bus and the sun was baking us. And we moved two blocks in an hour and a half. And because apparently they had had some fires and they were being protested and Parliament was open. So we were like, okay, the double-decker bus situation is not for us. We're going to go spend more money. We're going to get tube tickets. So we go, like, on the subway. I am rubbing shoulders with, like, all of England, it feels like. Um, And I have told Deandra, I have impressed upon her the importance of the order in which we need to do things. Now, when we were in school, we used to read the novel Peter Pan a lot, and we love it. And so we did want to see Peter Pan's statue in Kensington Gardens. And that was really important. But more important than that, was also the globe, clearly, at the top of my list. I think even you guys caught on to that by this point. And um, then after that, I wanted to have tea. And I was like, you know what? The day has kind of wasted away a little already, but it's okay. We'll knock some things off the list. We'll just do these three things. It'll be fine. So Deandra tells me, she's like, just know that the statue is a little far from the tube station. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. She was like, so you can handle this? I'm like, yes, I have been walking 18,000 steps a day because that's why I'm here. Clearly, I can do this. So um, we start trying to do that. And she starts with the Peter Pan statue. And I'm like, okay, that's fine because she knows the globe is really important. And... um, We're walking, and we're walking, and we're walking, and we get to the point when we're walking in these gardens, and my body just cannot. It was like, thank you for bringing me to Europe. I don't like it. I am now shutting down on you. And I cannot tell you, it is so hot. I could not drink enough water. We had to stop and rest. Like, I've never been in a situation where my body was like, no. And, like, it's no, there's no relief in sight. Like, it's not coming. Like, there's no, and there's too much traffic to take an Uber anywhere. Plus, fun fact, the gardens are like, this is how I feel. They're like, anyway, it's like, this potted plant, three miles, another potted plant. So, like, even if someone drops you off at the gardens, it's still, you know, forever. And so, we... Round this corner, and I cannot tell you how many times we were forced to stop. I had no pride at this point. I was just, like, laying in the grass. We were forced to stop. There, I can't tell you how many bottles of water I had guzzled. It was hot. I was exhausted. I just couldn't. And it was a couple of hours of us just walking and stopping. And we finally get... We, like, walk and we walk and we walk. And I'm like, you said it was far, but this is really far. And then she tells me that the tube station that she was talking about was far, that was far, 
um, was closed. And so she had let us off, like, at the one that was a whole, however far the tubes run, like, away from that one. So it's not even, like, the far one. We're at a tube station in Scotland, back in Scotland, I guess, because we're just walking and we're walking. And I fall to the ground, and I'm not being dramatic. I'm just like, I just can't anymore. And she goes, wait, I think it might be around this tree. So she runs, and the statue's around the tree. And I'm like, okay, I can crawl there, I guess. And so we go, we get there, I muster up all my strength, I barely make it, and there's a statue, and it's beautiful, and there's this, like, little, it's not a hill, it's like a bump next to it. So I sit on the bump, and I'm like, yes, this statue, <laughs> this statue is great. And you can call Peter, they've done renovations, so you can call him and with your cell phone, and then he'll start talking, and it's super magical. And I was like, you know what, this is fine, we're sitting the statue's here, Peter's talking, and it's wonderful. It's great. So do you guys know the story of, of Peter Pan? Okay, so important thing to know about this. In the story, there's a pirate hook, and he's the bad guy. Well, Pan has cut off one of his hands, and he's fed it to this crocodile. So the entire story, this crocodile with a, uh, the crocodile also swallowed a clock. This is important. So this entire story, this crocodile is following them everywhere, like trying to eat Captain Hook, and the clock is ticking the entire time, like basically the crocodile is just harassing him. And so we're there, and I'm having my moment of peace, the only moment of peace in that day, praise the Lord. And this man just comes out of nowhere, and he just starts talking to us super loudly. And he's like, this is the Peter Pan statue. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> if it's not, Deandra's really in trouble. And um, and he just starts saying, he just identifies himself to us, and he says, I am the crocodile, and he starts yelling about how women are dirty pigs, and they need to keep their disgusting, filthy mouth shut, and they ought never to utter a word. And I'm just like, I have, I cannot stress enough that I have no strength at all left. And I just close my eyes, and I just think, I'm just like, Jesus. Because, and I was starting to say, like, Jesus, what do I do, you know? But I open my eyes, and he just, like, stops talking mid-sentence and turns around and walks away. And I'm like, whoa. And then he stops at the gate, and he turns around, and he makes eye contact with me, and he goes, fine, but you're ugly. Just know. And so I'm like, well, I have been brought low. That's okay. And then Deandra goes, hey, just so you know, the globe is going to close before we could possibly get there. And then I am like violently sick because my body is like, we're really done. And this is my trip to London. Like we literally go, walk forever, see a statue, walk forever, and go home. And by the time I get into the apartment that night, she has a couch, like she gets in a shower immediately because we're gross. And I'm just like laying face down on the couch sobbing. And I'm like, I have nothing left. And I was so excited about this. And London was supposed to be magical and it was not magical at all. And the next day I had to leave. And I had not ridden the London Eye. I had not seen Buckingham Palace. And I did not visit my precious globe. And P.S. by the way, fine, but I'm ugly. And I was on the train, and I remember that I listened to Urshan's 
we rise on repeat, you know, like the enemy is under my feet. And I was trying to feel it, but I was more like, just saturate me, Lord, with some sort of truth. And I'm on this train and I'm completely spent and I am exhausted and tears are rolling down my cheeks. And I'm telling the Lord, you know what? This has not been great. Fine. I do not care where you send me. I do not care how hard it is. I do not care if people like me or not. It doesn't matter what anyone says. What you tell me to do, I'm going to do that no matter what. This is the moment that I decide, you know what? I'm not going to carry my picture around waiting for people to fill me up with self-esteem. You're going to have to fill me up because my desire for self-esteem is never going to be satiated. You're going to have to fill me up so that I can be poured out. And then I thought, do I regret this terrible trip? No, I do not regret it at all. I only had one day in London, one day to at least try and see something. It turns out it was a statue, hooray. And <laughs> you and me, we only get one life. We only get one span from birth to death, one blip on the screen of eternity's radar, one shot at doing the things and reaching everyone and serving him with all that we have. Now, there are these memes out right now, and they'll say, like, it'll be literally no one and then a blank space. Have you guys seen these? Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so there's one that's like, literally no one, and then it's like, Paul. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger in England and in Scotland, in danger at sea and in danger from false believers. And I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and had often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. You get one life and how you use it matters. And the best way I can think of using it is completely spent. And that looks different for me than you, and it better look different for us than Paul. But a little later that year, I'm back in Europe, I'm in Greece this time, and I'm standing at the window of our classroom, we were supposed to take care of some MKs, and these MKs are like delightful, they are wonderful separately, but if you mix them all up together, <laughs> It was just a time that prayer was necessary. And so I'm like interceding and Kendra Schock comes in the room and um, she prays with me. And after we were done, she came to me and she said, you know, the Lord saw, gave me a vision and um, I saw you and you were in Scotland and people were throwing things at you. And I asked the Lord why. And he said, Kendra, it's because she looked like me. And I had been terrified the whole time that it was because of how I looked. That was the worst thing that I could think of. But what God does is he comes in and he turns the tables on our own thinking and our imaginations. 
Isaiah 53, 2. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Luke 6. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. Blessed are you when you give your all and you go and you do the thing and you don't care if it looks stupid and you don't care what anyone else says. Blessed are you at the bottom because that means something different in the crazy, amazing, ridiculous, beautiful, upside down kingdom of God. I thought about the Hebrew children the other day in Daniel chapter three and I thought about how they said, we're not gonna bow and if he gets us out of there, great. And if he doesn't, fine. And Margaret Feinberg says that joy asks, what if God? At the same time it declares, but if not. And what I love about this story is that they still go through the fire. There's just somebody in there with them. And I would rather be in the fire with him than at the Globe Theater uh, too soon, without him. I would rather be in the fire with him than anywhere else without him. I went to New York later that year, and um, <laughs> the person that I had just ended romantic entanglements with had also just gone to New York and taken his new date to see my favorite painting. And I was like, look, London did not go well but I will see the starry night when I'm in this city or bust. And so we had a conference and it was wonderful and we had Broadway tickets for later and I was just so excited and but I don't know how to navigate the subway system. So my friend had been there all week and I was like, yes, you, I give this, you navigate us. And she was like, I've got this. She did not got it, okay? <laughs> and she was so confused the entire time and the more she talked, the sadder I got. And I was finally like, I looked across at my friend, who, my other friend who was with us, and I was like, you know what? It's fine. I know I said starry night or bust, but I guess I just don't get to see anything that I want to see anywhere, and I'm just going to let it go. And plus, we're running out of time, so we're like, we have to stop right now at this next stop and get off no matter where it is, and we have to get an Uber, or we're going to miss this play as well, and then I'm really not going to be spiritual anymore. And so we get off the subway station, and we're going up the escalator, and I look to my right, and every poster that I'm seeing is for the Met. And I was like, where are we, guys? We come out of that tube station, and we are right across from the museum that I wanted to go to, somehow, some way. And I round the corner. We had like 15 minutes. We paid a ridiculous price <laughs> to run in there. And I had 15 minutes, and I got to see my favorite painting. And that tiny impossibility reminded me that I am seen. And there were so many postcards and pictures and repl replicas of that painting, but n it's nothing like 
it is in person. And I shouldn't have logically been able to see it on my one day in New York, but look what the Lord did because I tried. And it may not look like a mountain moved and it may not look like a dead body raised all the time, but the Lord will show up along the way and he will remind you in ways unique to you as only he can that he is Elroy who sees you. And what he sees and how he sees, that's what matters. That's the most significant. So Lazarus is sick in chapter 11 of Luke. And they send for Jesus. And when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. And we wait a little bit. And even though they thought he wasn't going to die, Lazarus's one life is snuffed out. And when Jesus finally shows up, Martha says, Lord, if you'd been there, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection. What she's saying is, I know, Jesus, that God will give you whatever you ask. I know that you're sovereign, but I am calling you sovereign as I understand it. I am calling you a miracle worker within the confines of my own imagination and we journey further in the chapter and Mary's crying and they walk toward the tomb together and the people ask a question could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying and Jesus asked the question too and he says did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God and when God calls to Lazarus, when God says, Lazarus, you come here, even death does not stop that man from following God. Be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my tired, well over 18,000 step feet. There is truth that just keeps on marching. And when I talk about living spent and pouring it all out and going wherever he says and doing whatever he asks, whatever that thing is for you, it may seem huge and it may seem impossible. It may be something no one else would notice because it would be done in silence and solitude. But I am here to tell you tonight, you do the thing in Jesus' name. You get one life to live for Jesus. So you turn off whatever and put down whatever and leave wherever and go and you do the thing in Jesus' name. And he will be with you. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter how the circumstance seems. Jehovah Elroy, he sees you and you believe his word and you will see the glory of God.